Welcome to the Grizz Den Whoop That Trick podcast. I'm your host, Brantley. Right now we got Will, Grizz Den Will, fresh, fresh from the forum, sprinted, sprinted down Union Avenue, down to, I'm not going to name a street, but to get, to get in <laughs> in front of the microphone. You got Ty Smith Sr., who has abstained from Twitter the entire game to bring you the freshest of takes. <laughs> we And our, our uh, minister extraordinaire, Crafty, is is bringing the gospel at Rhodes College uh, and will uh, be joining us maybe here just to drop in and just, you know, he's going to integrate in really quickly. Um, but first, before we get to this, uh, this podcast is brought to you by Iron Tribe Memphis. Iron Tribe has three locations located in Germantown, East Memphis, and downtown. It's fun, fast fit. If you've ever seen Ty Smith Sr.'s biceps or Will's lack of biceps, you would know that one goes Iron Tribe and one doesn't. <laughs> and so That's true. This is true. Will's more of a runner, more of a, like an eat donuts, big beer, <laughs> and run all at the same time because he loses his fantasy basketball match. But Iron Tribe Memphis, it's a great community, great place to work out. They're taking new members at all three locations right now. They've got a heck of a deal going right now. Want your first month, you can join at a massive discount. Give the guys at Iron Tribe Memphis a call. Um, look them up on the Googles, the Facebooks, whatever it is you want. You're going to see a lot of people that you want to hang out with, including Ty Smith Sr., doing pull-ups, doing thrusters, doing wall balls. Come on, baby. Things and getting swole. It's springtime. You're going to be at the beach soon. You want to look good. You want to look like Bane. You want to be able to flex. Yeah. Tell them Ty Sepp sent you. Whoa, that's sick. Anyway, that's it. Will, how are you like a dad of five right now, man? (laughs) Um, All right, guys, that was the business. (laughs) We talked to you about our new network previously. We're not going to roll into that. So, Joe, if you tuned in to our depressed, melancholy game one post-game episode, we're going to follow that same format. We're going to take one highlight from the top then roll into each quarter, then with some takeaways, talking about what we sort of think could happen for Game 3 before a specific preview. Game 3 to you is coming on Saturday. But the Grizz, because all we do is Grizz, 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 beat the Los Angeles Lakers 103-93. to All of us thought, not all of us, I'm kidding. All of us, mainly just me, thought maybe the Grizz were dead in the water. I'm going to pull up my receipts here in a second. But first, I'm going to let Will, who's chomping at the bit, to give his one big highlight. <laughs> he has not stopped bouncing. Will, screen. hit Just us up. What is, what, what's your take? What's your, what's your theme? What's your highlight, bro? Guys, a lot of adrenaline right now. The forum was buzzing tonight. You could feel the urgency in the crowd. It was, it was loud for all four quarters. I personally blacked out after the jitty block in the second quarter. So, I'm so you don't still... remember anything. 
So the details after that moment are fuzzy for me. Um, but no, I would say my one big thing is it, it has to start with Xavier Tillman. I think that he brought it tonight. This was an overall team win, and I think the um, the stats bear it out. Just the story of the game bears that out. But Xavier Tillman at key moments to me just proved why he is essential in this series given our lack of depth. And I think this speaks to his role throughout this season for us. Just he, he is a guy that should not be relied upon at the level that he is being relied upon right now. And yet he brought it tonight. I thought had the play of the game in the fourth quarter, grabbing that offensive board, hitting mm. Dylan Brooks for the game ceiling three, really. And I think that was just emblematic of his, um, the hustle that he had throughout this whole game, led the team in plus minus, which is unsurprising to me tonight. Um, Xavier Tillman, player of the game for me. He, I mean, start there if you really want to start, you know, begin looking uh, at this game overall and how we got it done. Yeah, Xavier Tillman ended the game uh, 10 for 13 from the field, one for two from the three, um, finishing with 22 points, 13 rebounds, uh, five on the offensive end, eight on the defensive end, a nice little double-double. Um, and, you know, one of the things that just was interesting throughout that throughout the game, John Hollinger, you know, ex-executive uh, of the Grizzlies, you know, hinted that, you know, Tillman, not that he was um, that, that he could get paid in this offseason, that someone's going to see him uh, like that his role is too small with us, that they could see him as being a massive rotation player. You saw that in action tonight. Um, and, you know, for Grizz fans, uh, this we're, we're not surprised in some sense. You know, it's, I sort of was worried about him uh, the way that the Lakers played him in the first game. He came out aggressive looking to shoot. And we've seen Tillman show up in big moments. He's not scared of the spotlight. So, Will, I think you're exactly right to be starting there with Tillman. Heck of a game. Super fun. Came out from the jump looking awesome. Ty, what you got? I mean, yeah, obviously it was that. Uh, I'll get to something else really quick. I just kind of wanted to mention just – the whole thing with Tillman is everyone kind of kept saying like there's some like low hanging fruit to whoever like AD's just sagging off whoever. We even talked about how like let's try to like initiate a switch or something like that. Just try to make like Davis guard someone, whether that was like playing Tillman less even, right? Like that was kind of a topic. Go small. Um so the fact that like not only Tillman like held his own but was arguably the best player in the game coming off of last game is kind of nuts like the jump between game one and two with Tillman was just outrageous and like tonight that's and maybe moving on honestly we're gonna have like they're gonna give us that they're gonna give Tillman a lot of that kind of stuff and man did he take advantage of it but not just on the offensive end like he was everywhere on defense there was one possession or several down the stretch where um, we may get to a little bit of this later. Anyway, Dylan was just getting roasted by LeBron on the block. And I was watching with a friend, a uh, friend of the program, Jacob Kent. And I was like, after this timeout, I guarantee you Tillman's going to be on LeBron. It's exactly what happened. Jenkins was like, LeBron's killing us in the post. Hey, Tillman, how about you go do that too? Like he literally did everything. Um, 
the only other thing I guess I kind of thought about is did this not feel like the most grit and grind thing of all time? Like I, I just like looked up and down at our contributors and who got minutes for us and who hit shots for us. David Roddy was the second most minutes guy off the bench, um, which is wild. Uh, hit three threes mm. like in LeBron's face, which was also great. We just mucked it up, man. This is not a game that we like everything went our way because that 100% didn't happen. It's not like we went nuts from three. We had 11 threes. We shot like 30%. We definitely didn't do that either. Uh, we just played crazy hard. We mucked it up. Um, we grinded like crazy. Um, and, yeah, really like, I mean, grinded the game out. It was it was kind of nuts. So it, it took me back a little bit. Yeah, Ty, we, we, we can get into the specific moments later. But there are definitely – uh, times when I felt like we were trading blows a bit, the energy, mm-hmm. with the Lakers weren't just folding um, or rolling over. They definitely had, uh, you know, some momentum in various spots, particularly in the third quarter, which we'll really get into. Um, I guess uh, there's first, if I were going to highlight a specific player, um, I just think that Jaron playing almost 40 minutes. He was 11 seconds shy of yep. playing 40 minutes. He led the team in minutes. You know, that was a narrative coming in about him that he uh, can't stay on the floor. Uh, he only had three personal fouls. Dare I say that he seems to be getting the benefit of the doubt um, in various calls. There's certain times when it's sort of, I think previously, maybe some um, – you know, elbows here and there, he would have gotten those foul calls. He didn't get those. It's crucial, yeah. even, you know, with Ja, it's crucial for Jaron to, to be in the game for us. Um, but the fact that he was able to, to really anchor the team, it was noticeably, um, you know, it was just very noticeable when he was off the court. Bain was dealing with some foul trouble, as was Brooks. So we had to have someone like Tripp out there. But, you know, for, for me, that's not the main thing that I want to highlight. I will highlight my own shortfallings as a believer in the team. <laughs> Receipts, Receipts. Baby. You know, I texted the group about like five to six issues that I had coming in that was making me feel like we only – I said but at the end of it all, I had a 25% chance to win. I was concerned about player volatility and just changing of needs and roles among the players going back and forth and just sort of the whiplash schizophrenia that that would occur. I really thought that Dylan's shortfallings, meaning his ability mm-hmm. to not hit wide open looks, was really going to become an issue. I compared it, dare I say, to – Tony Allen issues in the time. I really was getting Melton vibes from certain players like Santi and Kennard in that game one. I wasn't trying to overreact, but I was just like, these are the things I'm seeing in this first series. Bain, I had all these reasons. And I, you know, ultimately I was wrong. I was wrong about this game. My intuition and my feelings were wrong. I feel great about being wrong. It's a great thing to be wrong. So maybe I'm going to keep being the pessimist <laughs> and play that role hardcore. Um, but it feels good. I will say that I just finally started to breathe because um, even though it felt like the game was under control, 
there definitely were moments where it was like, oh man, are they about to pull, is LeBron or AD about to do some stuff that might make this thing close? And it never happened. Um, they never, I think, towards the end of the game, got closer than six points, if I can remember correctly. So great win by the Grizz. Uh, and, you know, it makes it statistically a series. We're able to go to L.A. And if we can just get For one, sure. then all of a sudden we're coming back and, you know, going back to home court. Guys, I do want to start to kind of get into our quarter-by-quarter breakdown. Ty, why don't you get us going? What were some of your observations about Q1, just what you saw from the jump from a player perspective yeah. or even the team perspective? I think – like Jenkins said this post game, it was like when we execute the game plan, like we'll get things we want right out of the gate. We limited fast break points. We limited their offensive rebound. We forced them to take jumpers. Um, at, I think there was like a minute or so left, maybe in the third or in the first quarter. They, I watched the game on Bally, of course, um, but they threw up the uh, paint point stat. And I want to say in the first quarter, we had like, 16 maybe um of our like 30 points um something like that half of them and the lakers only had eight what that represented to me was we took away the easy baskets um a lot of the run out stuff that they were doing in game one didn't happen um the flying around offensive rebounds didn't happen second chance points stuff like that again i'm going to kind of go back to some low-hanging fruit stuff like you know, if you clean that up in game one, it looks a lot different. I think that was harped on, obviously, by Jenkins. And we cleaned it up, and we won the quarter by double digits. Um, so I think it's just, like, little stuff like that about not only energy, because I think we played with more energy too, but, like, our attention to detail and our focus on things that we could not give up tonight. Like, we could not do it, and we didn't. And that was, like, right out of the gate, you're like, I'm very encouraged. Like, this is not game one, 2.0. Our players are bought in. Jenkins may have made a couple adjustments, but like we're bought into what we need to do, and it worked, which is also really encouraging. Yeah, yeah. Will, what specifically did you notice from that first quarter? Yeah i I think it started uh, with Tillman playing well. I just noticed the the attention to detail, like Ty said, and I felt as if he was playing AD fairly well. I mean, if you looked up in the fourth quarter at one point I think AD only had like eight points for the entire game and that started in the in the first quarter I just felt like we were playing more physical uh, I wrote down Dylan Brooks too much usage uh, I felt like very early on in the game he was taking too many shots didn't hit any of them and this is when I felt as if, as if the bench and then specifically Bain coming in and 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 putting his stamp on the game offensively and uh, then the last note I have, which is just completely out of left field, is I love that Steven Adams get, gets the stats handed to him at every timeout like all the coaches. <laughs> That's just one of the things. I, he was standing out there by himself with the sheet of paper just reading through the stats, and for some reason I just – I love that. Yeah. Yeah, I, you know, what I was sort of interrupting you on on that AD point was that I think I had written down his first – field goal wasn't till the 335 mark in the first quarter so you know that speaks to maybe game plan defense and also just I I just thought it was crazy that there was many moments in this game including the first quarter where 
you know, AD's um, his defensive presence was really felt um, at moments in the first half, um, not as specifically in the first quarter, but he, you sort of forgot about him. And, um, and, and I really, you kind of forgot about him a little bit in this first quarter, other than maybe the time when you thought that maybe he and Jaron together tweaked their ankles early on. That was a little bit of a, a breath hold, I think, for all of us. Um, but, I, I, you know, y'all hit on the Tillman points, which I thought were really great. Bain, it really did kind of look like this might be sort of his stamp to your point, Will. He had 10 points in the first quarter, was our leader out of the gate from a clubhouse perspective in that first quarter. Um, from a, the other side of things, you you saw Rui come in and get off to another good hot start shooting well. I think that just may be a trend that we just have got to expect now that he's kind of hitting some shots. 20 points. And got, and got some comments. He had 20 points. He was a minus seven. He's got 20 points um, uh, on the on the field. But but I do think that this first quarter that that you can't talk about this first quarter without talking about Dylan Brooks going one for six from the field over three from three. Um, that was at the 250 mark of the first quarter. Those were his stats. And so there was, and he had picked up two personal fouls. Um, it, it had this feeling of this is going to become a Dylan Brooks bad game. I would still, you still could maybe at the end talk about it being a bad game, but it, the, the trend there, even though we did end that first quarter up 30 to 19, it, there were certain things that had me feeling like, is this fool's gold based, based on what could happen? Um, but anyway, I, I do agree with you. The Tillman thing, you could sort of see it from the, from the jump um, within that first quarter. Will hit us with some of your second quarter thoughts. Yeah, so one of the things I wrote down here was we saw a uh, David Roddy, John Conchar, Luke Kennard lineup, and specifically with about eight minutes left in the second quarter, Bain went out and Tyus came in, and and it did not go well. Uh, it, it, when when it was basically those three guys plus Tyus, we were just too small, and AD was feasting, and then Tillman came in with seven minutes and thirty seconds left and cleaned everything up. Um, this is about when the John Conchar block also happened on Ooh. Anthony Davis, which was the loudest I've heard FedEx Forum in a very long time. Um, I want to give a shout-out to Santi Aldama here. He had seven crucial rebounds in this game, and he, he really did muck it up. He didn't, ha he didn't score. Um, he was only 0 for, 0 for 2 from 3, 0 for 3 from the field overall. I didn't feel like he was taking too many of those Santi shots, which he was prone to take in the regular season, trying to get himself in a rhythm. I felt like he stayed within himself. And even Dylan, with, with that bad first quarter, I felt as if he, he actually had two or three buckets in the second quarter, but they were all notably from his spot, which is the free throw line and in. And if he's not taking shots um, from anywhere else, like, that's great. Take them there, and I'm happy. Um, and then just to end it, I just had those two turnovers by Bain really late, yeah. which to me felt like missed opportunities for maybe, you know, three or four points down the stretch. But overall, like, this quarter was encouraging because our bench 
held their own, um, even with some wonky lineups that Taylor Jenkins had to play just because we were so shorthanded. And, and the last thing I'll say is this became clear to me, and I think I texted the group at this point, like there cannot be any more lineups without either Bain or Jaron in them. Like one yeah. of those two guys has to be on the floor the rest of this game. Um, later in the game, we saw one time when one of those guys was, both of those guys were in there and it did not go well. So I would say like, this was a, a really encouraging quarter overall and had some momentum going into half. Yeah. Yeah. There was, I feel like the first part of this quarter was really mucky too, to your point, Ty, earlier on sort of like the grit, like kind of just the grindy side of things. It just felt there was a lot of like weird sequences where like, you know, AD, AD got a block. We went down transition. We didn't do transition really well. They got a block. They brought it back. We kind of got another block. And it was kind of like this just weird, ugly, or beautiful sequencing of basketball, just depending on how you talk about it. You know, Brevin will really hammered your point on Dylan um, during this quarter. Um, Dylan came in and he did get to his spots and started to look more in rhythm. And, you know, I think that that sort of stuck with him the rest of the game. So kudos to Dylan and the coaching staff for calling that out with him and helping him to find his legs, find his rhythm, find his shots. Cause I really do think the second quarter was part of that and maybe helped him sort of hit some big shots down towards the end of, towards the end of the game. Um, and, and I just, you know, I sort of called myself out at the beginning that, you know, their players like Santi, Jitty, canard that i wasn't really sure could they bring it in the big moments can they really show up and i think you know at, at least two emphatically told us yes tonight jitty definitely did with you know his blocks and the way that he got tips and did things throughout the game to just do melton like things but also where he's not depended to score like melton was um, and actually, you know, you can sort of trust the value and the need from him in these moments. But Kennard was more aggressive. It was like he needed to sort of adapt to the speed from game one on how quickly he needed to look. There were a couple, I think maybe he went one for two from three um, in this quarter. No, he went one for one in the second quarter, but he went two for three from the field. He just it felt like he had a quicker trigger in this quarter than he did in the previous game. And that's going to, I think, be very beneficial for us moving forward because now he's sort of figured out what he needs to do um, to be aggressive like he was for us in the back half of the season. Todd, did we leave anything else out from your copious amount of notes that maybe you and Mr. Kent were taking together? Yeah, I mean, not – so I, I did have written down. Uh, I thought the energy in the second quarter was fantastic. Um, it seemed like the first quarter it was like controlled energy, and the second quarter it was just all out go. Um, well, I'm sure the crowd. I feel like that's when the crowd. The second quarter it, it got nuts. I guess the GD block had a lot to do with that, but just everything going on, it just kind of got wild. Um, honestly, I also have. We were better without Dylan in that stretch. Um, Y'all had just kind of hinted on that. The other thing I want to mention is we texted about this um, today. It was really interesting to see that we put Kennard and Bain. We're kind of playing like backup guard role when uh, Tyus went out. And we had both of them as the ball handler and put AD in the pick and roll. And they just started switching it. So AD 
was basically stuck with someone on the perimeter. And that led to like a lot of easy buckets inside or offensive rebound, second possession kind of stuff. And we talked about that today in text thread. I, I, me and Will were both kind of like, I would love to see Bain like in the pick and roll, like try to make Davis guard on the perimeter. Didn't really expect Kennard to do that, but he did that a ton in the second quarter too. And right when I saw that happening, I was like, Davis is working. Like Davis is having a guard on the perimeter. He's having to move a lot. If you look at his box score and total impact, honestly, um, especially offensively, he wasn't felt a ton. Um, I don't know if that had anything to do with it, but we were making him work in the second quarter. We were making him make decisions. Um, it feels like, oddly, we had like an advantage on the glass during that time, too. Maybe it was just energy, but it seemed like borderline like scheme, too. Um, so I, I thought that was a really, really cool thing to see, too, because it's almost like you kind of saw that and be like, I wonder if that would like actually happen. And then if it does, I wonder if it works. And both those things came true. Um, so that was cool to see too. Will, you're nodding like, like crazy. Let's hear it. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with you. I loved seeing Anthony Davis uh, just have to come out to the perimeter. Brantley, you also mentioned this earlier about just let's take AD out of the paint as much as we can. Yep. Uh, and I also sure. want to, while we're here, I want to shout out Jitty again because he he had the one block, which is going to get all the highlights. He had another block later too, in the quarter yeah. <laughs> again, and, and that's going to get forgotten here. And so I just want to say, like on the record, we see you, Conchar. We see both blocks. Okay, Jitty. we love them go, both. Baby. I love Jitty's. Like after the first block, his teammates were trying to go nuts, and he just had that little Jitty smirk on his face, just like hardly any emotion. He was just like looking like with a side eye, with a smirk. Oh, it was just. It was so perfect. It was but the most Jitty thing. Per ever. Chris Harrington, <laughs> there was uh, country music playing in the locker room after uh, the game because they let Jitty decide what they wanted to play in the locker room. Do you think? Can, do you so, think he's out. like Jitty's more like a Kenny Chesney guy, or is he more like Zach Bryan Sturgill level of country? What do you think? What what kind of country are we talking oh. about here? Are we talking about like hipster country? Okay. Anyway, the thing about that that block though that was so awesome <laughs> from a Jitty perspective, just to call it out, is because he did. This was something that, like, Kraft, you and Will, y'all talked about, you know, about bringing him in. He didn't get much run in the first game. And within, you know, seconds of him coming in, he had a tip on an offensive rebound back to the back part of half court. Yep. We got the rebound. We gave it to Dylan. Dylan um, sort of pump fake, got to the elbow and hit a jumper at the 650 mark. And then he had the block. And then he had another block. So we hear you. And so it was like those types of things together. That was, I think, a moment. I don't have this specifically written down, but it was like a six to eight point game at the time. And so that sort of um, grouping of players collectively were able to hold their own for a bit and then make a run to where we closed up 15. The last one little thing that I'll just kind of mention, and I know we mentioned the turnovers for Bain. You know, they really the, – the Lakers, they started – um, to blitz us in the second ha in, the, in the second quarter, particularly Bain, where they were make they were bringing up a double team early. We saw teams do this to Ja very frequently in the first year or two of his postseason career. Bain didn't seem as comfortable in that scenario of breaking that double team of finding a hole. I do think one time he did sort of set up. Um, uh, a hockey assist, if you will, to maybe Tillman. I can't remember um, where he hit hit it to Tyus and then hit a cutting Tillman down the lane. 
But every other time, I would say, and this happened frequently in the second quarter because I don't think that the Lakers stuck with this defensive strategy, it did not look like a very comfortable break for him. So I do hope that that's something maybe that fundamentally they can work on because um, I would hate for, for him to get out of place even more um, as we continue our playoff run. Um, Will, get us going. I, you know, our the, the player of the game got us going again from the jump in the third quarter. Uh, what were some of your thoughts and sort of like the trend and, and what was happening as we came out of halftime? Also, who was the halftime show? Yeah, tell me. Uh, NLE Chapa with the Memphis Symphony Orchestra. It was weird. Um, I was out <laughs> getting Dippin' Dots for my lady. Uh, what and, flavor? Uh, what flavor Dippin' Dots? So not not to brag, a banana split always. Okay. Um, okay. So shout out, shout right. out, Allison. Um, third quarter, Tillman hit a three, and this is another time that I just blacked out because we haven't seen Xavier Tillman hit a three <laughs> since probably before COVID. Um, and Golden State. I also noted that Dylan Brooks, yeah, that's right. Dylan Brooks had his fourth foul um, in this quarter. Uh, Bain had his third. Uh, Dylan Brooks started talking to LeBron James, and I, mm-hmm. I think your point, Brantley, on our text thread was correct. You did feel some energy shifting uh, to where the Lakers, who had been sleepwalking up to that point, kind of woke up a little bit, and yep. they started. The Lakers started to get calls. They started to get more runouts. Um, we had some rookie moments from David, David Roddy where he missed a layup and then left Rui Hachimura uh, wide yeah. open for a three. Um, and all of the, so basically this was to me like the, the Laker, Lakers punch. And I thought that the Grizzlies sustained it. They had a great end to the quarter um, and just held on to that lead um, for dear life. And it felt much worse than just a two-point advantage in the third quarter, which is what it ended up being for the Lakers. And so really it was defensively. Uh, that I, I felt we, we kind of kept it things in check. We did have some very bad calls in this quarter, and so I'm not I'm not Ooh. letting the refs off the hook, um, even though there there was some uh, return to the mean in the fourth quarter there. But overall, third quarter I felt you know it, it was it's what happened in the last game as well. Is it's kind of like where we had momentum and we let them back into it, and I was scared it was going to happen again because LeBron I thought played an excellent game from just a like game management standpoint uh overall but uh yeah I think we sustained their punch here in the third quarter yeah and this is where I I think in the third quarter is when they really the Lakers got um I would say they they had their energy they also kind of got a little predictable with their offense where they kept um, giving it to LeBron on the block and it worked um sometimes um but I felt like it was about 40% 40% effective. Um, we got some turnovers off of it. When you look at actually the minutes breakdown um, of our team in the third quarter, you know, the, the leading minute givers were, were Tyus and Tillman. Um, Bain only got six minutes and had zero points. Um, you know, if you look at the, the folks that score, I think there was a moment maybe like three-fourths of the way through the third quarter, and the only points that had been scored by the Grizzlies were by Tillman and Roddy. Uh, and we were still in the game. I think it had been cut to six points at that time. LeBron and Rui combined for 19 of the Lakers' 27 points this quarter. Um, so, again, another trend on the Rui side. Um, he came in and, and looked smooth, quite frankly, um, hitting his spots, um, hit what four for five from the field in this quarter. 
And I do think it's going to have to be a real adjustment. There's going to have to be some more awareness that's given because we can't keep letting him <coughs> come off the bench and perform like this because we might not always get this type of Anthony Davis performance where, for instance, in the third quarter, Anthony Davis went unseen. He was on the court. He played 10 minutes and only yeah. had two points. And when you look at the team that we had on the court, the fact that AD only had two points to me is bonkers this quarter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like to that point, Kraft mentioned this in our text thread today, basically, or maybe even said it on the pod too. He was like, this is what Davis does. Like he has one amazing game and you're like, oh my gosh, this guy's top five player in the world right now. How like he's just so incredible. And then he has, he follows it up with a game like tonight where in the, like you said, in the third quarter, you just kind of forget he's out there. Um, yeah, I thought the to Will's point, accepting the blow and then immediately getting it back up to end the quarter, double-digit lead, was like just massive. Because um, they came out swinging hard. We missed – I honestly felt like we kind of stayed with what we were doing, and we just kind of missed a lot of shots. Like the Roddy layup was an out-of-a-timeout play. And we had, like, two options. We had, I think, like, Kennard flaring for three, and then we a quick back cut to Roddy with both guys open. I mean, that's an easy point-blank layup and just missed it. And, of course, it, like, led to a run-out kind of thing, right? Um, we had a lot of possessions like that where it would be um, some kind of basically, like, we would get a stop and then come down, like the Austin Reeves flail when Bain was just simply running down the court and they caught it, like, that's a turnover. That really hurts, right? Especially in when you're looking at some of the guys we had about offensive creation, you're just kind of like, we don't really have a lot of creators out there. I mean, we're kind of trying to just do everything we can on offense with, like, bench lineups and stuff like that, and, like, turnovers just can't happen. And it was, like, dumb stuff like that. Again, Will's point, the call started getting really weird. It's just, like, the game slowed down. Um, they, yeah, they did the whole LeBron thing on the, on the block. And it seemed like we kind of adjusted to that pretty quickly too. Speaking of the hard double, we started doubling like a little bit harder, especially when he started turning to the baseline of all places. I guess that's like where his turnaround comes from. seems like we were ready for that. Um, there's a couple of times where Bain had him on the block and Bain like knew that turnaround was coming and basically like cut it off. And they got like, there was one play where Vanderbilt was, I mean, they had three guys, they had a, the three second violations probably could have been called every possession for the Lakers in the second half. There was one play where LeBron was on the block and Vanderbilt was just like standing under the goal for what felt like eight seconds. And we basically like overhelped the shooters and then LeBron found him. That pass literally never was there again because we immediately adjusted. LeBron tried to make it. It led to a turnover. Um, I just thought we, we kind of tightened up after we, yeah, we took a big blow things definitely felt shaky. LeBron kind of got going a little bit and it's just like, this is the make or break. Um, And again, I just can't like to Brantley's point. Like, I don't think we ever, they got it ever less than six, which is kind of wild. Like I fully expected them to like tie the game up or get it to like at least a single possession game kind of thing. And it never really did. Um, Just kudos to the, kudos to the boys for, uh, for hanging on in that third quarter. Cause that was, that was massive. Yeah, uh, yeah, LeBron, just seeing him in person, the his vision is the best part of his game. Like, I'm convinced. Yeah. Uh, he he was the one that 
like you said, he had those dump downs when he got doubled on the baseline. I think he actually ended up getting two to go at some point. Maybe it was early fourth when he mm-hmm. got the second one. And he just kind of knows what to do. And this is also about the point when I looked up and noticed that both – we mentioned AD being in single digits, but D'Angelo Russell had like three points. And I just love yeah. that this happened to both AD and Russell in the same game because – Yes, they are both players that just disappear. Um, other thing on LeBron, one for eight from three. Yep. Take as many as you want from there, Bron. Like, keep taking them. Yep. And he stopped taking them in the third quarter. Like, I feel like he shot most of his threes early on in the game. And you could tell, like, in the second, starting in that second half, it was like, all right, buddy, you're going to go to the block and you're either going to make a player score. Um, so it was, it was great to see that adjustment adjustment there too and I, I think that this quarter you, we have to mention you know i sort of joked like basically at the five minute mark that tillman and roddy were the only people that had scored for us with like three with two minutes left we're we're at that six point clip we had we had not meaning we were only up six points the lead had been cut significantly from half you know where we were up 15 and you know we get a get a kick to roddy in the corner for a three and I'm like, Oh no, if we miss this, they're about to cut this thing to three. Like it just felt like yeah. that's what's about to happen. But Roddy hits it. It's a huge three, huge moment. It was his second three point make of the game. I believe puts us back up nine. They, they come down, they miss JJ gets a triple J gets another bucket ends their run. And we close quarter three going up 12, like that little swing catalyzed by Roddy to me is just like a mat on top of the, like we've mentioned him, you know, like rookie guarding LeBron at times, just unbelievable that he, you know, there are a couple threes of his that like looked like, I don't know the comparison, but maybe looked like Tony Allen shooting a three. I mean, it looked awful, like hitting the side of the backboard, but in this, in these moments, he still was able to like have a shot go in and to think about his progression from the beginning of the year where bro was making nothing, shooting like 16%. And now in these big moments, he's got the trust of T Jink and he's taking these big sh- and his team and he's taking these shots. And I mean, not just trust of taking them, but hitting them and having them. I mean, that was a massive moment in the game to where we could be entering the fourth quarter only up three points, but instead we're up 12. Yeah. Yeah, and I think this is the appropriate time to mention that all this talk about who we're missing in the game, like the three names you heard tonight were Steven Adams, Brandon Clark, and Ja Morant, of course. Those are the three that we think of who are not playing. Zaire Williams is one that has, has gone unmentioned up to this point because, I mean, think about last year. We were talking about him in the same breath as, like, Kennard saying, like, he is essential to what we're doing. We need him to come in and have a good game. And you thought about, too, with his size, like, he would have been a guy on the wing that we would have put when Dylan got in foul trouble. And think of the luxury of having a guy like David Roddy who was able to progress to this point and, in my opinion, is actually better uh, suited for guarding a guy like LeBron who's going to use his muscle um, and definitely would have used his muscle against Zaire Williams. And to me... Roddy's also progressed even further as a shooter to up to this point than, than Zaire was. Um, like, I trust it, leaving Roddy's hand a little bit more than Zaire. Um, and so I just want to say, like, this is the point in time where we, we have to remember there's also a roster spot being taken up by a, a top-ten pick that just is, a, is not Nowhere. playing at all. So um, 
great job, David Roddy, and also still very disappointed yeah. that, that we don't have somebody in that slot that's better, that can play and help and contribute. Yeah. Yeah, moving into the fourth quarter up 12, uh, my first major commentary on the fourth quarter was like it really felt like the game had slowed down significantly. Ty, you mentioned that as sort of maybe one of the things that had changed in, in the third quarter. I think that that was an intentional strategy by the Lakers, specifically in terms of how they were just – it was turning into a LeBron game. AD was nowhere to be found. It was like, well, let's just get LeBron to block and let him play make and see what he can do. That sort of the it wasn't necessarily the block per se for what they were trying to do, um, but but the game had definitely slowed down. And look, guys, like without going specifically, do, do you know who was our highest scorer in the fourth quarter? Who scored the most? Don't points say it was Dylan. Don't you say it was Dylan? It was Dylan. And like, oh my God. I mean, and that just tells you about <laughs> what the fourth quarter was. He only had six points. So there was a spread among uh, it the was team, a rock fight, but it was a yeah. rock fight of a fourth quarter, and and I, like John Kraft, can you believe that we closed the fourth quarter? I was very happy we did. It was like uh, <laughs> I was, I'm I'm still very excited. I I you know I knew I don't know if y'all have talked about this, but people were so angry on Twitter about the lineup choices. But I you know I think sometimes you have to realize. He's got to find rest for people somewhere. Like he's got to, you know. But but we we held on for dear life with some of those some of those uh, lineups for sure. Can I? Uh, I just I just peaked Twitter. Speaking of Dylan, um, guys, apparently his post game. Oh no! Is is something else. I think we need to uh, we need to live pod this. Can you pull it up in a way to where we can talk about it here in a second? Cra- I I'm, guess I'm trying to find. While it, yeah. you go, craft maybe just since you're just now joining us, um, we're we're in the middle of talking about the fourth quarter. You know, this is you know live recording here, um, team, as you're tuning in on your um, Thursday drive to work. I'm sure. But, you know, Kraft, without knowing what we've talked about, what was your big takeaway of the game? And then we'll jump back into the fourth quarter just for fun. Uh, Conchar's play of the year? That was my biggest takeaway. <laughs> you mean career? Career, career play of the career. Uh, I mean, my, my biggest takeaway was that, that 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 game was exactly what I thought game one was going to be. Like a rock fight of a game that we win like 100 to 90 that's what I actually thought game one was going to be like. And so it was weird that that was um, game two. And uh, and then the other thing is just I was even more shocked about how everybody really uh, – it just seems like the narrative about how good we can be sometimes without jaw. I thought that was going to be the narrative, but the narrative is just the Lakers were lazy. Why didn't they come out and play hard? Now they're going to have a long series with the Grizzlies – you know, uh, yeah. like the Grizzlies just out hustled and outworked the the Lakers, but that seems to be more the narrative. And you know, I just think like for I think people who've been listening to our podcast and people who've watched the Grizzlies, like this isn't surprising. I mean, this is what we were doing most of the second half of the season is is just kind of winning games, um, continuing to win despite really not looking amazing. Um, and then also just you know, Tillman was great. Like Tillman was awesome tonight. Uh, Will, 
Yeah, thanks, Crap. That's, that's All right, yeah, coming um, in, give me my but, quick take. No, 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 it's awesome. Will give me give me your in in FedEx form fourth quarter feels and and takeaways. Yeah, um, the one thing that I was one of the keys to game two in our last podcast that I mentioned was I wanted Jenkins to trust our personnel. And that was mainly manifesting itself in terms of, do you play guys that are in foul trouble? And he only had one key decision to make tonight. And it was when Dylan got his fifth foul with seven minutes left and he took him out of the game. And I was pretty upset at that point, not because Dylan was playing amazing, but I also was wanting Dylan to use all of his energy left uh, to guard LeBron and maybe get it to about three minutes when I thought if we were up by 10, the Lakers might punt, um, or 10 or more at least. And then I knew in the back of my head, Roddy playing so well, we could easily slot him in, and then you have a better shooting option on the floor all of a sudden. And so that was one change that I was pretty upset with also because, I mean, again, it wouldn't be the worst thing for Dylan to foul out a little bit early when it comes to crunch time. And, of course, Dylan makes the the three to seal Just it, as I mentioned earlier. In there. Um, yeah, the other note I had was whenever Anthony Davis is out of the game, Jaron has to touch the ball every time on offense. Mm-hmm. I thought this was when he, he actually did get it going there, especially early on. Um, the most tense part of the game was with four minutes left and we were up eight. And then LeBron got an easy two. Uh, yep. When they fed it to him, just over Dylan Brooks and cut it to six, and that's when everything started to tighten. Um, and then, really, Bain was the one down the stretch to drive, uh, yep. you know, force some calls, and uh, hit four free throws down the stretch. Um, and then we had, I mean, the play of the game, which I've mentioned already, besides the JD block, of course, but it was the Xavier Tillman offensive rebound, yep. Dylan Brooks three, and that that really was it. And then whoop, that trick started playing, and it was it was glorious. I, yeah, there was this there was this moment around like the five minute mark where I think um, it was maybe like right after no, it was like or like it was a six minute mark or so whenever they had that terrible foul call on Jaron when AD was like holding Jaron's jersey and they called an inbound play and they got LeBron like an easy look. Will, that may have been what you were referencing. And then we we flipped the court and then called a timeout, had an inbounds play, ran it, got an easy bucket. And then like there really wasn't a whole lot that happened in between there other than like Bain – taking a deep three that was sort of ill-advised I thought um and uh and it was just sort of a rough stretch of basketball and then all of a sudden you looked up and there's three minutes left yeah and and I just wrote down like this and we were it was still like a six-point game at three minutes left I was like this is this is the mature playoff moment it's like what happens here like this could flip this could turn into the LeBron AD show like which is possible like they're you know great basketball players then or we we turn it around and it just I do sort of feel like that for this team regardless of what happens with John the next game to be in that type of moment will to your point on a tight playoff real environment tight I mean it was a real game that maybe not in the definition of clutch but from a playoff perspective it was up for grabs that game was still up for grabs to me for the Lakers at that point in time, which is shocking, even though maybe it didn't really feel like it to everyone else. Kraft, did it feel that way to you in terms of like the magnitude of sort of the 
the the the playoff scenario that our young team without their some of their best players were going through at that. No, I mean I think that's I mean that like if you look at our the, the especially the second half the post Stephen Adams part of our season that was the story was that we lost some teams we shouldn't have had some kind of bad fourth quarters and it was you know uh, it was when things tightened up. And we just didn't make plays and the other team would or, or, you know, especially Bain. And that was what was so exciting about tonight was I've been pretty hard on Bain's fourth quarter kind of clutch uh, stats and him sort of coming through. And that's like a huge skill, drawing fouls at the end of a playoff game, getting on the free throw line and, and hitting them, of course. Like, But that's huge. And that's something that when Jaw comes back, if we have a guy in Bain – Who's you know a little better a little bit of a better free throw shooter than Jaw who can draw fouls like that? Um, that's a huge and that was that was the exciting part to me is that like it would have been very easy uh, for when that thing got cut to six to freak out for us to do something wrong and the fact that we brought it home and even extended it a little bit um, is really really exciting to me. I mean those were huge possessions. And and maybe some people will say we got bailed out a little bit there, but I actually think you know Bain did a good job getting getting contact, doing the kind of stuff that we looked to Jaw to do, and Jaw wasn't there to do it tonight. So yeah, yeah. Jaron hit some big free throws too, which is also encouraging. He uh, he drew a foul on a draw. Yeah, he just kind of he missed those two early, and then he knocked them down when they counted, which was big too. Yeah, Bain and Jaron combined for seven of eight. In the free from the free throw line in the fourth quarter, um, yeah. so that was base. And then um, uh, Tyus had a couple, and Xavier had a couple. So we were ten of twelve in the fourth quarter, eighty three percent. That was fifty percent of our points in the fourth quarter. So basically, yeah. if you take away what <laughs> I mean, so if you take away what Dylan did with his six points, none of those were free throws. I mean, it was a free throw game, which, you, you know, that yeah. was kind of the type of rock fight, you know, craft thing that you were predicting. Um, and for the worst free throw shooting team in the league, shooting around 71 to 72% to hit 83% down the stretch was a sigh of relief for me, particularly seeing, you know, the guys that we needed to hit from the free throw line up there to do so. Um, guys, is there anything else in closing that in our quarter by quarter breakdown that we haven't hit yet that, that you want to talk through? I mean, I don't know if y'all hit this, but just along that point, I mean, we were way we were behind by like eleven or twelve free throw attempts going into the fourth quarter, and we like caught up to them um, in the fourth quarter. And I think that's like what's really cool is we were the team that wasn't fouling; they were the team that was, uh, and that just I think that says something. I mean, that maturity. I mean, that's what everybody was worried about. And of course, then I was like, look at how many more free throw attempts and fouls the Lakers have gotten. But then you look at the end of the game, and we're we're right even with them. And I think that's pretty amazing how we finished the fourth quarter. Uh, with you know forcing the refs to make some make some foul calls. Yeah, yeah fun fact: um, Dylan Brooks is shooting thirty seven percent for this series overall. Desmond Bain is shooting thirty three percent from the field overall. If you ask me which of those players is shooting better, I would a hundred times out of a hundred say Desmond Bain. Uh, so just FYI, I, this also I think has to do with Bain taking on the load of the backup you know point guard. For sure. Responsibilities. I think he has so much more on ball that he has to do. And we've seen that to be the case in the last quarter of this season, too. You, As his percentage has dipped, luckily it's also coincided with Kennard uh, making, you know, picking up the slack in that respect. But I just wanted to shout out 
this entire team win uh, and also include Taylor Jenkins in this, I actually think he did make adjustments. He got our team to run. He, he really did um, focus on transition, it seemed like. I thought that they did get a few open shots. Uh, the Lakers did, and we, we did a better job of kind of plugging holes there and stepping two shooters. I didn't see as many wide open, and I think their percentage reflects that as well. And just to say, like, if Roddy had scored one more point then every single player who played 20 or more minutes scored in double digits. And I thought that was like a perfect picture of what tonight felt like, especially offensively. But everyone was bought in on the defensive end. It was a grit and grind game. And the fact that we held them to 93 points um, with the lineup tonight, without our closer in jaw was just, I mean, kudos, kudos to everyone. Yeah, I mean, that like, I mean, what's crazy to me is outside of Tillman and I guess Kennard, you know, had a slightly above, like, had a, was three for four from three. But, like, we were extremely inefficient. <laughs> like, all of our players shot oh, terribly. Yeah. And and so I think that encourages us. This wasn't, you know, despite maybe what the media will say and the, the stuff. I mean, this wasn't us, like, uh, some shot variance game, like, like yesterday, where the Suns, like, shot, like, 85% from the mid-range. This was us just wanting it more, playing amazing defense. And, you know, and so that, like, I think, there, we can be way better than we were tonight. Yeah. That's a big one for me too, Kraft. That's literally my thought because I remember checking this, the stats at halftime when we were had – like I texted Jaw, we had 59 points in the first half and we were – what did I say? Five for 18 from three. Um, we still are not shooting the ball well. I mean, I guess – I mean, you got to give the Lakers defense like a little bit of credit there because they are making things kind of tough. Um, but we're getting open shots. Um, we really are. And we're like, Brantley, your point about like Dylan in the first quarter, all those threes he took, I mean, they were wide open. Right? Yeah. Got um, to start knocking those things down. Um, good to see Kennard being a little bit more aggressive and kind of will to, I just wanted to piggyback off that a little bit. The fact that David Roddy, the first couple months of the season, we were like, what, what happened here? Like, this is kind of who we traded Melton uh, you know, pick to get and all that kind of stuff. And the guy that hit three threes a night, all I think being guarded by LeBron. Um, this happened. I mean, it happened with Zaire last year a little bit too, about you just kind of look up and you're like, he's really contributing in the playoffs, which is against like the Warriors. He's guarding Steph, which is kind of wild. Now you have David Roddy, who everyone was like, me included, how in the world do you pick him in the first round? What are you doing? All this kind of stuff. <laughs> At times earlier this season, you were kind of like, "What? Uh, why aren't we playing him?" Well, Ravia should be ahead of him in the, in, you know, of the rookies anyway. He had a late, you know, last like month and a half of the season. You were like, "Okay, this is kind of coming together a little bit." Obviously, the Dallas game, those threes he hit tonight. I want to say they were all in the second half. Maybe I'm mis misremembering that. But it was in a time where we were, like, starving for just anything to go in. Just like, please, man. He hit one. Borderline did the step, like, turned his back to the rim. It showed, like, the Bally sports feed showed, like, an after the shot. He, like, turned – like, he let it go and, like, immediately was like, oh, that is just so pure. Um, the fact that he's taking those big shots was just, like, so awesome to see. David Roddy, man, just so big. That's awesome. I want to get to um, our our live um, reading of Dylan Brooks post game by Ty Smith Senior here in just a second, <laughs> but before and 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 have that be a little bit of maybe a tease into the next game. 
um, and and we'll come back to you guys later with um, a little bit of a game three pre- preview, which is Saturday at nine o'clock. So everybody start resting and hydrating up for that right now. Guys, how does this game make you feel, Will, starting with you, about the rest of the series? Does it change your thoughts at all? I think is <clears throat> curious what you think. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely it does. I think that um this is the game that you know let's just say from like a national perspective which is easy to get annoyed by them because they don't watch us every night and when they do it's it's like out of context for the entire season. And uh the the narrative was going to be, you know, Grizzlies without John Morant, Stephen Adams, Brandon Clark. Um you know, no expectation for tonight and basically already putting the Lakers in the second round. This is why game one overreactions just, I mean, are always funny to listen back to. Uh, I'm as guilty of it as everyone um, just because of it it feels like you want to start the playoffs or whatever series like on the note that you want the rest of the series to look like. And you're just all, I mean, it's just really hard not to overreact, but at the same time, we have to st- take a step back and say, this is 1-1. Really, we just have to do exactly what the Lakers did to us here, there. And chances are, given the fact that John Morant was questionable until literally five minutes before tonight's game, um, and, and for the Grizzlies, questionable usually means likely to play. Yeah. Um, that is encouraging to me that Ja's going to come out with a fire. Hopefully he has time to get some rest. And if he if he does not, let's just say he's not himself, it's now bolstering the rest of the guys to show them they can do totally. this without the superstar. Um, this Lakers team is vulnerable. And we've seen that their stars, while they're awesome, they are vulnerable. Um, and so, like, this to me just is exactly the shot of hope that a team like the Grizzlies, who are young and naive in the best way. I mean, we'll get to the Dylan Brooks quotes. I just went on Twitter, and it's pretty funny. Oh uh, and we'll get we'll, we'll end with that in just a second. But this completely changes the complexion of the series for me. Like, why not us? We're going to have now a Game 5 guaranteed at FedEx Forum. And if it's anything like it was tonight from a crowd perspective, like, I, I'm not worried. Um that's probably too bold, but I'm I'm not. So it's going to be a fun series. Well, I think well, it's going to go six. I think you know we talked. We you know we together got to watch that Timberwolves game, and I think it it bolstered all of us with our predictions for the series because of how they played. And then game one, they came out and they looked great. Well, tonight, I don't think they didn't have quite as many like stupid turnovers they did against the T Wolves there at the end, but they looked kind of similar, struggling to score, slow. Yeah. And why is that? Well, it's because Back then, they were playing all these had-to-win games. Well, guess what the playoffs are? They had to play had-to-win games. They got five, six days rest. They came out. They, I think we got their best shot. That doesn't mean that you know this isn't going to be a competitive series, but I think we got their best game, game one, and now they only got two days rest. They have one more time to get two days rest. From that point forward, they're getting one day rest. Game four, game five, game six, game seven, however long the series goes, they're only going to get one day in between. The Anthony Davis, all those lingering injuries he has, and you saw how he was great. Uh, Matt Hardlicka actually had a great tweet about Anthony Davis and how he's always great the first two to three minutes he comes in uh, in the first two, three minutes of every half because he has all this energy. That's when he's blocking shots. That's when it seems like he's everywhere. Um, but he kind of wears in the longer he's in the game. He kind of wears down. You saw Tillman at the end of the first half beating him down the floor. And I just think that really we have the younger legs – 
Um, I, I think that really, as the series goes on, we're going to see this more of what we saw tonight with the Lakers and kind of feeling like they're struggling and they're old and they're missing shots. Um, at least that's my hope anyway. Ty, did tonight change anything for you? Did it reinforce your thinking about this series? I don't think it changed anything necessarily. I just think it was – I mean, I had a feeling Ja wasn't going to play, and I get that, like, there are some advantages to that to an extent. Um, and everyone, again, national media podcast stuff, they shockingly rarely know more than we do. Um but anyway, they were like, the Lakers smell blood in the water. I, you know, they're going to come out. They're going to try to end this thing tonight. Like, they're going to tr- – this is a big game for them. They're not going to, you know, they're not going to let up. They're coming out strong. And honestly, like, in the third quarter, I felt that. And I – the, I just – I can't tell you how encouraged I was at the end of the third quarter to look up, and it wasn't a one-possession game. Not We were up double digits again. I was like, we just took a huge punch from them. And responded a ton. The one thing I'll say about the jaw thing is I really like we may not win game three or game four for that matter, but I just really feel like a jaw game is coming. Um, It may not be every game like it was last year in the playoffs where he was just just an absolute stud every time he stepped on the floor, but he's too good not to have like a moment. Right. Like, am I alone in that? I know there's a lot been going on with him. I know like it's been tough for him, the hand, stuff like that. But the jaw that, you know, that we got used to and that we know and love, like, he feasts on this. Like, he just can't wait. I could easily see either game three or four, jaw comes back and has, like, a 18-point quarter to either get us up the lead or bring us back in the game or something like that. Um, I just think this win had to happen. I was worried like you were, Brantley, and I was like, if we can just win tonight, if we can just win tonight, like, let's extend the series. We're starting over, basically. Um, can we just get this win somehow? And somehow is key word. Like, we just – we eked it out. We just did exactly what we had to do. We did everything we needed to do. It wasn't pretty. We didn't play a flawless game. I think we have better basketball ahead of us in this series to craft point. And I just – I really think we're going to – I don't know. Maybe I'm too optimistic about it. But I think there's going to be a jaw moment that will win us a game in one of these next two, three or four. So I think we're going to go back to Memphis series tied two, two for game five. As Love well. it. <laughs> yeah. I think that's where the, I don't, I'm not going to say that that's been answered for me, you know, in, in terms sure. of my question, I, I feel like tonight, one of my big questions that, you know, that I'm, I, you know, pulled up my receipts at the beginning of this thing and said, was that I just really felt like that sort of the, whiplashness of what's happened we've got jaw don't have jaw got jaw don't have jaw that that would be too much for a young team to handle i think that that's where like that concern of mine was answered tonight i, I don't think that that's the case i think that without jaw there are lots of moments tonight where if if that were true then tonight would have been a time that that would have manifested itself and it didn't now a team and what they and how they play and how they fit in their role when the the kind of old alpha, you know, of the beginning of the season comes back into the fold and resumes that style of play or is resuming a different style of play. I'm not sure if if, if I have confidence necessarily in what that looks like because um, I don't necessarily know if we saw saw what it could look like in game one either. I'm hopeful that it 
again, that's the optimistic side of things that we've talked about a lot that I'm just not there with you guys on it yet, but it would be fun, <coughs> but I'm, I'm, it would I'm indeed be fun. I'm doubting it. Uh, but I, I don't think that that means we can't win the series if we don't get it. Um, because I do think that this core team surrounding it has, has, um, has clearly demonstrated itself enough from a moxie perspective to be able to handle themselves at home. Now let's go see what they can do on the road. And I will say this is that the benefit of getting a job back, that there's a chance that that and, and what Jaron has done in these first two games, that, that potentially that might relieve some burden off of a Bane where we, we, where it may become a little bit easier for him to get some different looks from the outside, because clearly to me, he seems to be right now the one most affected by the interior defense of AD and LeBron. Um, there was a couple moments even tonight that I didn't bring up where I thought he made a kick to the corner um, or to a wing three when he had a, a better look at a layup. But I think he's maybe thinking about some of the blocks that had happened earlier in the game against him. Um, and he typically would take those up. It didn't manifest itself in the fourth quarter. And I was really thankful for it because he took it up strong and got the fouls. And we've already talked about that. Okay. But let's talk about Dylan Brooks for a second. For those of us that have stuck around to the bitter end, um, uh, we're at 65 minutes into the podcast. Ty Smith Sr., what's the story? I have not checked Twitter. I have no idea what you're about to say has happened. And I guess I'm curious as you're reading it, let's talk through it. And then also, do you guys think that whatever was said, does it have game three implications again, which happened Saturday at nine o'clock? So I was going to try to play like the actual interview on here, but I don't know if I can actually do it to where it, the audio would be good. So I'm, I guess I'm not going to try. We'll talk to our producer about that afterwards. We can just stuff. use this yeah, as a so setup. Maybe... Our producer maybe can inter interject that later. Perfect. Love that. Uh, anyway, no guarantees. so apparently he called LeBron, uh, he called LeBron old. Um, so Timmy I guess asked the question. Oh yeah. Classic. So he asked about his confrontation with LeBron. I guess that was at some point in the third quarter. Um, oddly enough, when the Grizzlies were like, other the Lakers were like making a run, um, which is just probably not the best time to try to roll up LeBron. Anyway, they asked about the confrontation about LeBron. Dylan, quote, I don't care. He's old. And then followed up with, I poke bears. I don't respect someone until he at least gives me 40. Um, so LeBron putting up 40 in game three, 100% probably not going to say we lose, but that's probably going to happen. Um, at some point, he said he wished he could have defended the Cavs and Heat LeBron because that would have been a way harder task. Um, get your party ready. It's uh, <laughs> what's the over under? Yeah, so this points. is the exact, this is the exact quote from from Drew Hill. Got this about the confrontation. I don't care. He's old. I was waiting for that. I was expecting him to do that in Game Four, Game Five. He wanted to say something when I got my fourth foul. He should have been saying that earlier on. I poke bears. I don't respect no one until they at least give me forty. Just. Calling him old, too, is pretty wild. So, to, you know, to kind of balance the scales a little bit, I think someone asked him if he respects LeBron, and Dylan said, of course I respect him. He's a legend. Um, so, you know, that won't – that soundbite won't happen. Said, but said he with said it, sunglasses so, yeah. and his diamond BB necklace on, shirt unbuttoned. unbuttoned flannel shirt. Yeah. Okay, can, uh, can I do a spin zone here? <laughs> yes. Spin it, yes. Just so, to maybe – okay, so here's the spin. Here's the spin. 
we saw, and I, I don't know if you're on craft when I was saying this, but just being in the arena, seeing LeBron's like passes and, and vision, like to me, that was the scariest part of his game. He Love went one it, for eight well. from three. LeBron isn't scoring a lot of points in the paint these days. Maybe, just maybe, Dylan is trying to get LeBron to shoot way more than he should, and LeBron knows that the most shots he wants to take are from three. And we know what LeBron's percentage is. So maybe this is some 4D chess happening where Dylan wants LeBron to not feed AD, to not get his other guys going, and wants basically all the pressure to be on LeBron to respond to someone as low as Dylan Brooks. And Dylan just doesn't care at all. That's so good. I do think, you know, he made that, that he had that quote at the beginning of the series that he was very calmly said, like just kind of matter of fact like not trying to do anything and, and every national media person ran with it. So I guess now he's just going all in. Yeah. He's like, why even hold back now? I think he does like, he loves this though. Like he wants LeBron like coming at him as hard as possible and force Jenkins to switch Tillman onto LeBron again. So you won't kill him in the paint. Cause that hundred percent happened at one point in the game. It's, I just think he loves it. I just think he just can't wait to play LeBron again in game three and hope he just gets his absolute best for better or for worse. Just wild, wild stuff. He's truly, he's, he's a psycho. He's a psycho. I, w- I wish I would have got a chance to guard him in Miami or Cleveland. It would have been a harder task. That's just, that's just too good. Spot I'm, the lie. He's Spot not the lying. Lie. There it is. He's not lying. But at the same point, it's just like, I don't know, especially when you can contrast that to LeBron's presser after they beat the Wolves, where he was just like so praising everyone on our team. He went like player by player, like 10 deep, like complimenting us. And even with Dylan, he's like, even with Dylan, you got to respect that. You can't leave him out there. You know, it's just like and funny enough that that's how LeBron defended Dylan and Dylan hit just banged in two threes <laughs> to seal the game. Oh, it's just too good. I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm in the middle of just like flabbergasted and disgusted. Insane, uh, man. I just, just, I'm, I. There's, there's nothing about this strategic, strategically that just, it just doesn't. I, I man, I, I think that we're like we're just continuing to go down this spectrum of like. Our our talk has gotten yeah. so much larger than than what we're able to really back up, and it, I mean he's a re, it's just a reflection of the entire team, and I get that it allows it to happen, but it's becoming maybe part of this persona of of this team that I don't really think that we are anymore. Um, it's like it's like we're we're trying to become the the, the bad boys Pistons or something, and it's like I mean. I don't know. I'm just not a big fan. I'm not a big fan of this type of stuff from teams uh, in general. So I can't support it when it's my least favorite player on the team doing it. (laughs) Uh, And, and I also just absolutely detest what it could do to his mindset in game three. If if he shoots zero shots, then I would be pumped. But I doubt that that's going to happen. And uh, go ahead. Will. Yeah, I will say the 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 one point of this game, and I we've said this, and maybe we're getting to the point of the pod where we're we're rambling a bit. But 
I would say the, the, the point of the game that it felt like there was an emotional shift was that third quarter when Dylan started talking, and that's when you're like, why would you why, why would, would you, you literally poke, literally. poke the bear that's here? That's right. Uh, and, and I think that they're a team that is, besides maybe LeBron, and, and LeBron has had his issues in the past, but not a mentally strong team. The Lakers aren't. So why are you basically giving them material to then come out and maybe be more mentally locked in than they would be by default? So that's the other, that's the reverse spin uh, here on this, on this Dylan quote. Um, gosh, I wonder if it I even mean, matters coming from Dylan though. I wonder if like everyone was like, this guy's a joke anyway. Like he's going to, he's been saying crazy stuff his entire career. Like, does it even matter? Now if like someone, if like Xavier Tillman in his post game was like, yeah, love, you know, AD's got nothing on me. Then we would be like, wait a second. What? What was going on here? It that matters. It matters doing. because it's going to get run and it's going to get oh, run for sure. and we're playing LA and we're going to LA and LeBron's media savvy and he's going to know and he's going to know how he's got to answer it. And I'm not saying that like he can, he's not as capable as he's been in the past, but you know, when you've got two games, you know, one of two games that you really need to steal one of them and you'd love for to potentially yeah. steal one where they're still sort of maybe like, tired from travel and not have this extra motivator layered on top of it. I mean, not that maybe these guys need that extra layer of motivation. I can't get in the mindset of like the second best player of all time or third best, depending on whatever your list is. Cause he's not the first, but like, I, I can't, I can't rationalize some role player on our team talking shit to LeBron ever. It just is, it's really just emotionally unaware. And it's just another like, like massive amount of ticks on the, get this guy out of here. I'm over him. I was over him in the first quarter. I don't care that he hit closing threes tonight. I'm over him. This is so dumb. Maybe this is his, uh, maybe so this is dumb. his like, you know, his yeah. curtain call, you know, maybe this is his last, Last year, Rob with the Grizz, so he's just got to lay it all out there. God bless him. Because apparently the Rockets are interested. Whatever. I do think, yeah. the I do think there's there is a sense of, I mean, <laughs> I mean, I guess I'm glad he's doing it this game. Um, you know, and then, like, let LeBron go crazy this game, and then he has one day rest the rest of the series. So, but <laughs> I don't know. Uh, besides that, do you, does anybody have anything that they want to mention about game three? If not, we're going to let that tease our game three preview, which I'm sure will be out at some point in time pre-Saturday at 9 o'clock. So tune in and listen to it if you want to. It'll be some sort of combination of the four of us, maybe one, maybe four, who knows. Um, but guys, enjoy this win. It was fun. Uh, hopefully um, we can celebrate it and not feel depressed about Dylan Brooks's dumbassery. And, um, yeah, if, if nobody else has anything else for Ty, for Will, for Kraft, I'm Brantley. This was fun. Go Grizz. Whoop that trick. Go Grizz. Go Grizz, baby. Go Grizz.